hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Hello and welcome to this Halloween edition of Tim and Friends live on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. For a record 16th straight year, I am dressed up as a mediocre sports broadcaster. <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff trying the handsome digital producer look, and might I say, pulling it off. Thank you. It is a change, isn't it? You know what I'm saying it's right now? <laughs> That's my costume. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a change. <laughs> I think it's a costume every day, and I think that. pulling it off. Listen, I am uh, admittedly not the biggest Halloween guy in the world, mm-hmm. but Jesse knows my biggest fear on planet Earth is that a famous athlete dies on Halloween, and I've got to deliver the news dressed as a jagoff. Sorry, a bigger jagoff. That would be uh, horrible. Yeah, like every time someone suggests the Halloween getup, I mm-hmm. counter with, what if someone dies during our show argument and I'm dressed like Dave Hodge and the argument goes away real quick? Not yep. that I dislike Dave. He's an OG. Like, even today, imagine having to come out here and denounce Kyrie Irving's anti-Semitism dressed as Caillou. Yeah, it would not work. No, it's just not the same, right? Like, you don't deliver with the same. Listen, like, I, I would pull off Caillou. Yeah. With, with relative ease. In well, fact, I, I, think, why you say that? I think it would be a good costume. I think you'd pull off a lot of things. But <laughs> Caillou. The juice you can't imagine me as Caillou? Of course I can. <laughs> the juice isn't worth the squeeze. It's no, not at all. Like It just feels like getting dressed up is a stupid mistake waiting to happen. I remember when I dressed up for, I believe it was St. Patrick's Day, and I could just feel the the eyes the lasers burning through me like what the hell is this guy doing what if something happens and you, this guy's dressed you, like an so absolute you're all clown. green with the yeah, clover the, hat, the glasses hat. like a stupid necklace and you were on TV with you yeah yeah with you see I don't remember that it was memorable wasn't it yeah it was St Patrick's Day and you were dressed up and you were chirping me and, and I, could, I I could tell did I pull the same move what's the same move. What if someone dies? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, these are the glasses. They're still here. (laughs) Just clean off the dust and throw them on. There you go. Uh, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Kiss me, I'm Irish. There's my costume. Sorry, blank dot. Got it. Got it. I'm dressing up as someone (laughs) celebrating St. Patrick's Day today. (laughs) Uh, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, I could whine like Caillou, too. In fact, I think, Sebi, you think so? I was doing it before the show. I was whining like Caillou. <laughs> Why don't you go home and dress up as Caillou? You don't have to uh, announce anything from there. Yeah, well, I just don't want to dress up like a Richard. And I'm sorry, it's a kid. I know Caillou's a kid, but he's a Richard. <laughs> oh, he's a whiny Richard. Richard. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So despite lacking a Halloween costume beyond the mediocre sportscaster, we've actually got a jam-packed show for you today. Game three of the World Series goes tonight, maybe. Uh, Coverage starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Weather pending, still a 50% chance of rain at 7 p.m. Eastern. The Doppler's up here. If you get to to 8 p.m. Eastern, look at this. 80%. They're not playing. You don't think so? I'm I'm calling it. I am calling it right now. It is tough to postpone. Can we get stats on asking how many times a World Series has been postponed? So it looks clear now. And then all of a sudden, when you watch that Dappler radar come flying across here, yeah, it gets real heavy. 
It's already uh, November tomorrow as well, so it's not like they have a lot of time. In Philadelphia. Could be in for some snow eventually in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Tim Kirchin is scheduled, but mm -hmm. if the game doesn't go or it's raining, like this is a live TV kind of thing, we'll figure it out as it goes along here, right? Yeah. There's lots to talk about from the World Series anyways. Yeah, we can talk about the that. first two games yeah. and then preview game number three, which seems to fit. And I wonder if this... If there's a rainout, like Philadelphia's cheering for the rainout, right? Because they got Noah Syndergaard going today. Mm -hmm. They had to use Ranger Suarez mm -hmm. in relief, which I thought was a brilliant move by Rob Thompson. Canadian getting it done in game one. Like, I think they would want this one postponed, and then they know they get back to Wheeler and Nola. Yeah. I mean, even that's... though the Rastros hit both of them. Yeah. I, I said last week that was the key. And they both got beat up, and they're still going still one split. one. So still split, yeah. yeah. They're pesky, those Phillies. I mean, that might be my take. In, in first things first, I don't want to steal anything. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Hawks and Rogers, <laughs> Scotiabank Arena, NBA side of things. You can see that game on Sportsnet One tonight. Maddie D will be by to tee up what might be the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference against the Toronto Raptors. Freddie Van Vliet, questionable. Nick Nurse speaking in about 40 minutes' time. Uh, we might find out then if Freddie is in or out. Also, there's some angst, perhaps some concern in Leafland, maybe to match what was going on in Vancouver last week. Is it much ado about nothing or more? Luke Gazdick will join us. One of the newcomers on the NHL on Sportsnet drops by for his native voyage here on Tim and Friends at a busy week in the National Football League and our good friend Brock Vereen. And I hope, I hope that we have a show. So let us begin the festivities as we always do with first things first. And my good friend dressed as the handsome digital producer of the show, Jesse Rubinoff. So let's bring the flair, Jeff Ware. Very nice. First things first. first. All right, you just mentioned it, so why don't we begin there. The Toronto Maple Leafs are off today after returning from their nightmare of a road trip. They dropped four straight games in Vegas and California, including a 4-3 overtime loss to the Ducks last night after leading 3-1 in the third period. Here we go, Timmy. Buckle up. How worried should Leaf fans be <laughs> 10 games into the season? I get it. It's basically the same start as last year. They reel off a 12-2 month of November and finish with a franchise record for points, so there is some teeth for the It's Early crowd. But Jesse, we have had this conversation before. We had it last year, I believe, a couple of different times. I had the conversation the year before with Sid Sixero and the year before. Like, how many times do we have to do the difference between good and great is consistency? We've done that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, check. How about the hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard when it comes to the Maple Leafs? Have you done that one? Yep, many times. Or how about the old practice the way you play? And for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the regular season is the practice and the real games are the playoffs, but we have yet to actually see them apply that. Instead, every one of these things that I've just mentioned it feels like Marshawn Lynch and the same conversation. If you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. They're just not going to want that. 
just take out the run through someone's face part of it because the Leafs obviously don't do that. Like, you were a little bit tentative when I brought this up last year. Mm -hmm. When the Leafs blew a couple leads and still won games, you were a tad bit tentative to say this is the same old Leafs because they were winning games. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, you need to practice the way you play. And these games are the Leafs' practice. When you're playing the worst team in the National Hockey League on the road with another lead, a 3-1 lead, this is supposed to be your practice. So I ask you, as someone who wasn't quite there a year ago, are you there 10 games in? Well, I'm going to answer it this way. The bad start last year, call it what you will with the points and the franchise record points, they ended up having to play a really good hockey team in the first round and weren't able to get by them. Now they're losing to teams early here in this season, teams that they need to bank the points so that they give themselves the option if they are actually as good as they think they are prior to, prior to the season. If they're as good as they think they are, they need to beat these teams so that they potentially have an easier road in the first round to get over the big mental hurdle that everyone knows exists. But right now, I can say, after watching this team through 10 games, I do not think they are as good as even last year's iteration. And I think it is a roster construction issue more than I think it is a coaching issue or anything of that magnitude. I just don't think this team is what they were last year. And I would be surprised if they end up getting to the 115-point mark. And like you, it's just it's almost like it's not that interesting of a story because it's the same thing year after year after year. Well, but hold on a second here. Mm -hmm. Like, if the team isn't as good, then maybe there isn't the 12-2 and two November. Because I, I sat here last week and I said to you, listen, look at this team. Is the defense as currently constituted as good as it was last no. year? No. Was the defense last year good? No. Okay, so it wasn't good last year. It's worse. And as good as Ilya Samsonov has been. He's been good. Eric Schalgren is a below-average AHL goalie. And if you think I'm being mean, maybe I am, but they're just stats, okay? Mm -hmm. Schalgren's numbers in the AHL last year, his wins, not bad. Tied 26. <laughs> Goals against, 43rd in the AHL. Save percentage, 31st in the AHL. So you've got to trot that out every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wonder if they don't get to the point where they start wondering if they're going to make the playoffs. And I never thought we would have that conversation. If you had told me at the start of the year, I would have thought it was hyperbole. But then Matt Murray goes down. Eric Schalgren's pushed into the mm -hmm. fire. Eric Schalgren's not ready for the fire. They have a few injuries on the back end. And they don't look nearly as good as they did last year. But all of that almost seems moot to me mm -hmm. because when you get to the playoffs, you have to play at a level. There's no switch. The switch might be the intensity that other teams play at, but all of the little things that you do in the regular season lead to the postseason. And to me, the Leafs still don't get that five, six, seven years down the road of what the fan base is yelling and screaming about right now. It's impossible, really, at this current point in time to argue that they, they have any track record of any type of 
of the way that they play will have any success in the postseason. And to your point that you made last week, just to follow maybe up. Maybe that on, doesn't matter. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe that doesn't matter now. So the, the bad start last year, they obviously had reel off a really good November, but the division is much better this year too, which I think further complicates things and why the yeah, playoff conversation not, is, is not crazy. It, yeah, I, I, okay, okay, sorry, I, I interrupted you, but I was going to say, like, it's almost as if that doesn't matter. Just put in the work so that you're ready for the postseason, mm-hmm. right? But if, if you actually think that they could be in a spot where they don't make the postseason – well, then, the bleep will actually hit the fan. Like, I, I know Mitch Marner said, do we have the clip of Mitch Marner, guys? Producer Thomas Dobby, we don't have the pitch. The Mitch, sorry, that was a uh, <laughs> Freudian slip. The Mitch Marner clip where he says, people are putting shambles in our mm-hmm, head and, mm-hmm. and we're not falling for it. Like, I, I get all of that. I understand how a player in that spot doesn't want to walk down the road, but no one's putting shambles in your head. Like, Honestly, there hasn't been a high level of accountability for a team that has repeatedly failed over and over again. So let me ask you about that. Mitch Marner commits two turnovers. They both lead to goals. Uh, Benched for about six minutes in the third period yesterday. Do you think that benching is the accountability that some in Leafs land were maybe looking for? No. Not at all. It, It was what? A shift? It was a a shift. Shift and a half? Six minutes is kind of... Maybe two shifts, and then you get into the part where the Leafs are kind of up against it, and it's like, ah, you did your time, kid, get out there and win the game. He almost did, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I I wondered if that would have been even a worse lesson. If Mitch Marner scores the goal he was robbed on in OT, if that would have reinforced the lesson that I think you and I and other people have talked about a thousand times is that, they're seduced by their own talent and think that they can overcome the lapses by just scoring goals. And they can, except for when it matters most in the postseason. And if I were Sheldon Keefe, if I were Kyle Dubas, if I were Brendan Shanahan, if I were anyone in that organization, I would be pounding down on those kids in that room that this matters because we need to make sure that we shore all this bleep up for the playoffs. And I don't know that that lesson's been taught. And we won't know if that lesson's been taught yeah. until the postseason, if they make it. So online we asked, uh, what, if anything, do the Leafs have to change after a slow start to the season? And, I mean, obviously some Leaf fans preaching Coach. patience, but others uh, not. <laughs> RRB writes in and says, the GM that said, I bet my career on this working on the radio, the one that instilled a huge sense of entitlement and the one that refuses to change anything, him, he needs to go, if I'm not clear. Fire Kyle no, Dubas. You're, you're pretty clear. Kevin says everyone <laughs> yeah. just needs to relax. Uh, the regular season means nothing with this team that you just said that. Hasn't in a few years. All that matters is what happens in the playoffs. No, but that's – I completely disagree with that, and I have for years. It's about the way they play during it's the, the regular season. It's about the, the, the habits that you form mm-hmm. in the regular season not translating when it matters most. And we have seen that the same things that hound this team against crap teams in the regular season pops up against decent teams in the postseason, Mm -hmm. pops up against whatever the hell you think Montreal was down 3-1, pops up against a good team in Tampa Bay. You have to practice the way you play. And the regular season in the National Hockey League and the NBA is practice. Speaking... Of uh, you mentioned the Habs there briefly. Uh, last one, uh, do nothing as this would make a high majority of Canada very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, looks like Habby44 might be a Montreal Canadiens <laughs> fan right now. 
Check out the standings. Luke Gazdick coming up a little bit later to talk more. By the NHL way, congratulations hockey. to the Oilers. Habs, yeah. nice win as well. Yep. Um, so I, I hate to lose all the oxygen. No, we, and, and look out, the Canucks have won back-to-back. I want to lose all the oxygen on the Leafs, but obviously their fan base is in a tizzy right now. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I think it's understandable, though I think people are focusing on some of the wrong things. Yes, no question about that. Okay, Game 3 of the World Series goes tonight, maybe, on Sportsnet. This is the series shifts to Philadelphia for the next three games. The Phillies and Astros split the first two games in Houston. What's been the most surprising part of the series so far for you, Timmy? Uh, that Justin Verlander can't pitch, apparently, in the World Series. So bizarre. Uh, the 6.07 ERA, worst among all starting pitchers with at least 30 innings. Now, there's not a lot of starting pitchers that have pitched 30 innings in the World Series. But he's, he's winless in eight games. And that the Astros beat up Nola and Wheeler, and it's still 1-1 going back to Philadelphia. For me, that's near shocking and kind of sort of and I'll have the conversation, but kind of sort of why I don't like 2-3-2. Two, two. Interesting. Like, I think that the worst team benefits when the first two games are split. The worst team benefits because then you're going home for three and you can effectively you can end the series. Halloween in Philadelphia? You can end the series. At home? I mean, listen. They're not going to. I don't think they'll win three straight. Yeah. But it wouldn't shock you if they won two and then had the chance. All you got to do is luck one out on the road and you get yeah. it done. I, I, I'm not a fan. I understand why they do it. It's travel. It's all of the media being a pain in the ass and mm-hmm. saying they want to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the TV companies saying we don't want to pay to go back and forth when we could just. But I don't like 2-3-2. Two, two. I like 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Yeah. I think that's that very valid, and I, I guess we'll see how the schedule manipulates uh, if the game doesn't end up happening tonight. Then I think the day off is happening Friday, regardless of what happens tonight. So uh, we'll have to see. But I mean, I, watching Game One specifically with Verlander out there, you see the tarp on right now. That's yeah, a live look. Like that, I thought that game was over. If that game's over when Verlander's in. Five nothing. It should be nothing. One of the surefire Hall of Famer on the mound, and you think that game is over, and then the Phillies go and do it, and they're just pesky. They've been pesky all season long, (laughs) and it's like remember we talk about the defense. The defense weird its ugly head. Aren't they fighting? They're fighting Phil. That's exactly what they are. Not pesky. Yeah, they're fighting Phil. Pesky's a pole. I went to the thesaurus for that one. <laughs> no, there's a lot of people calling yeah. him best. Yeah. <laughs> I get Still it. Still can't play defense, though. But, yeah, it's. Uh, did you make anything of the Framber Valdez? I know people online, the, the internet sleuths were making a big deal of him maybe going to his right hand a little bit. Yeah, when, when Rob Thompson let it go, I let it go. Yeah. When, when the manager of the Phillies said, listen, the managers check the guy every time he comes off the field. I'm good with it. We're not worried about that. We're on to Philadelphia. I was good with it. I understand it was the same. Like I had no problem with uh, the umpires going up and checking Joe Musgrove's ear. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Go ahead. If you think, but he, the internet sleuths say he was going to his hand. And what do they check? His hands. Right. Like, I get the ear thing. Yeah. It was, right? Because yeah. no one sticks a finger in an ear, at least on a baseball. Yeah. I mean, we saw it. <laughs> We ended up seeing it, and it was seductive, 
and somewhat erotic. Yeah. However, <laughs> somewhat they're, erotic. They're checking hands. Yeah. They're checking hats. If Rob Thompson's okay with it, then I'm okay. For the record, just for context, all of his spin rates and velocity, all that stuff was right around right his around career averages. So uh, it doesn't appear like he was using any substances, but that's not going to stop the internet sleuths at all. I'm sure they'll be out tonight. Weather permitting, Tim Kirchin will join us a little bit later. Weather permitting. The mm -hmm. Toronto Raptors host the Atlanta Hawks tonight as they look to bounce back from their worst game of the season Friday against the Sixers. A real stinker. Joel Embiid did not play in that game. Tyree Maxey dominated his matchup with Fred Van Vliet, scoring a career-high 44 points, while Van Vliet scored just one point on 0 for 11 shooting. And today, the Raptors announced that Van Vliet is questionable for tonight with lower back stiffness. How concerned are you about FVV? Uh, I have been for two years, and you know this. I think he plays too many minutes for a guy that could impact the game for the Toronto Raptors the way that Fred Van Vliet can. And I don't know if it's Freddie saying that he wants to play these kind of minutes, but sometimes coaches and management have to save players from themselves. Again, we're talking about this. He's third in the NBA, playing 38 minutes a game. I, I absolutely love what Fred Van Vliet brings to the table, and I understand how both Freddie and Nick Nurse could be seduced mm -hmm. by how good Freddie is and how he impacts winning for this team. I do believe in the regular season, you have to ease up on the 38 minutes a game. And I don't know what the magic number is. I just know that in the last two years, and Freddie's not getting any younger, he has been banged up couple of different times with a couple of different things and I would suggest to you that the way this young man plays the game and the amount of minutes that he plays leads to that banged up mm -hmm. and you know I, th I thought we asked Nick Nurse and he said in a, in a ideal world we play him less and I guess this is less than last year <laughs> I just don't know if it's enough it's two less. minutes yeah it's two minutes less yeah uh, yeah, but two minutes is significant. Yeah. Like, let's be honest yeah. here, right? Yeah. Like two minutes is a, is a significant number of reduction, but 38 minutes is still third in the NBA. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's, I don't know if it's an indictment of the bench or more of just preference and trust for Nick Nurse. The fact that either Fred or Pascal is usually on the floor. One of them is usually on the floor at, at all times. Like, it's not an indictment of the roster. It's just who Nick Nurse wants in there to it, try and win the no, game. No, it is an indictment. Otherwise, Malachi Flynn would play more. Yeah. Right? Or whether it be Delano Banton or whoever you put in that spot, it would be an indictment on them. I'm, I'm not afraid. Off. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to say that. And yeah. I don't think anyone else, I think everyone kind of sort of knows that. Otherwise, Fred would get more of a rest. Mm -hmm. They need to find their Will Lou or Mike James. Back in the day, right. Amityville scorer. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, tennis. Felix Oje Aliassime continued his amazing run with a straight sets victory over Holger Rune in the final of the Swiss indoors on Sunday, his third straight ATP title. And Felix is on an incredible heater right now. How impressive is it? Uh, I knew you meant Lou Will, by the way. So we're just gonna roll. What did I say? Will Lou. Shout out the Raptors show. With I Will saw Lou. him today. Did you see him today? Yeah. Oh, nice. He works upstairs. I yeah. see him every day. I By the way, Will, Lou Will couldn't uh, Lou defend. Will, Will Lou. There you go. He couldn't defend either, but he would score a lot. But he would so score. I, yeah, I understand that. That's funny. Uh, Felix shout out had, Will Lou. Yeah, shout out Will Lou. Shout yeah. out the Raptors show. Um, he's the best player on planet Earth right now. Whoa. Now, there's some, there's some caveats to that statement, but there's no denying he won 13 straight matches. Like, this is... He had his serve broken during his winning streak exactly zero times. 
It's, it's unbelievable. Zero. Yeah, like 86 consecutive holds, 57 aces in five match wins in last week's event. Last person to beat him was Novak Djokovic. Like, this, this is an incredible run. It's not against the best players on planet Earth, but it's against some of the best players on planet Earth. I don't even know who the best players on planet Earth are right now, but I think we could probably pick a few out. And I think, and I said this the first time we had this conversation about Felix a week ago, I think this could play a factor when he's back in the limelight at the Grand Slams. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's learning to win and beating some of these guys, and he might end up in Turin because of this run. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, regardless of, you know, who's actually the best player in the world, Carlos Alcaraz currently is the world number one. And we have, we talked about him, you know, his run in the Grand Slams. He is the real deal, and Felix is 3-0 against him. So that's, that says it right there. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while to reach potential when was for any athlete. When was the last matchup, do you know? It was recent. Between Alcaraz and Felix? Yeah, it was like six weeks ago, three mm-hmm. weeks ago. Six weeks ago, I think. Right. So he's beat him twice. Well, he beat, oh, right, because he ago. beat him in... Uh, in national play. Yeah, there you go. In a national tie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there you Six go. Six weeks ago. All right. So, since he's turned number one, beat him a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, that's just – Alcaraz is so good. Like, And it felt like at the U.S. Open that was like him becoming the new big star in all yeah. of tennis. And yeah. here we sit with this guy who we as a country have wanted Felix to be, to take that next step. Well, we wanted all of the Canadian players well, yes, to but, take that but next I think, step. Yes. Do you not think that Felix maybe had, like, Felix, I think from a potential standpoint, perhaps, at least what Arash, when Arash Mandani came in here and said that, that Felix and Dennis could be uh, McEnroe and Connors, right. that was it for me. I was like, okay, I'm all in on these two. And now Felix is reaching it. All right. Uh, I tend to agree with most of that, but we don't have time. We ran out of time. Yeah. All right, still to come. Tim Kirchin from Philly ahead of Game 3 of the World Series. Weather permitting Matt Devlin from Scotiabank Arena ahead of his call of the Raptors and the Hawks. Luke Gazdick talking Leafs, Oilers, Canucks, and more. Plus, after the break, we break down week number eight in the National Football League with Brock Vereen and a little Timmy's Top 5. Halloween Monday. Let's go, kids. Dvorak going after it, throws it in front, scores! Throws it to net, scores! Christian Dvorak tips in his second of the night. Dvorak empty net, scores! Christian Dvorak with his first career hat-trick. Trevor Zegers in a long score! And the Ducks are back within one. Picked up by Kulikov, Kulikov a run try, scores! Dmitry Kulikov ties the game. Zegers fights off a defender, scores! The Astros with a lot of pressure on this team to win game two and make sure they got the split at home. They do just that. They beat the Phillies five to two. Christian McCaffrey has been a world beater here today. Three touchdowns for him. Passing, receiving, and rushing. We here at Tim and Friends have a unique understanding of how hard it is to encapsulate an entire weekend of NFL football in one or two segments. 
So with week eight almost in the books, pending a Bengals-Browns Monday Nighter, we attempt to give you what you need to know with Timmy's Top 5, which all starts with the greatest introduction in the history of sports television. Eat your heart out, why world of sports are Monday Night Football. Timmy's Top 5 from the NFL this week. Here's why I love and hate this game. A week ago, I was railing on the Niners and suggesting the Raiders were due for a run. All right, so San Fran smashes LA and the Raiders are shut out in New Orleans. Does anyone know how Crow tastes? I mean, besides Russell Wilson. Here's what I wonder most. Is Christian McCaffrey the force multiplier? Yes, he's the first since Ladanian Tomlinson in 2005 to throw four, run four, and catch a touchdown. And just the fourth since the modern day merger in 1970. But he's the only one ever with 90 rush yards, 50 receiving, 30 passing, and a touchdown running, passing, and catching. Okay, it's a little Thad Young stat, solid reference from Stat News. But with Debo coming back, Kyle Shanahan's new toy just might make everyone around him better, including Jimmy G. Enough to make you jump like a, I don't know, six foot four, 275 pound lineman. Now just stay healthy. Shanahan, McCaffrey, and Jimmy G have no history of getting hurt. Never mind. Topics one and two of the top five are related because for the Niners to win the division, they got to catch Geno Smith and the division-leading Seahawks. Yes, sir. Top three-rated passers in the league, just like everyone thought. One, two, uh, two, Patrick, three, Geno. Let's ride to number three. Was that sound you heard? The New York teams coming back down to earth? Hmm. 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 Number four is the ridiculousness of Derrick Henry, who has gone for over 200 yards and at least two touchdowns in four straight games versus the Texans. And how's this for a stat? Henry leads the NFL in career games with 200 and two or more touchdowns. Just against the Texans, he would be second with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and LaDainian Tomlinson tied for third. And finally, I really believe that Russell is now just trolling us. Not only with a win, but Broncos country. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride. Okay. Now let's 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 finally see that ride. The ride has been bumpy. It felt like there wasn't one dominant storyline, but a bunch of divisional standings starting to sort themselves a wee, a wee bit here. So here to help us sort the fact from the fiction is a co-host of that other pregame show on the CBS Sports Network with football in the blood on this Halloween. Pops played CFL, brother played NFL, ladies and gentlemen. He played NFL. It's Brock Vereen. What's going on, Brock? How are you, man? Never better, and a happy Halloween to you, sir. Priorities. Goat Halloween candy is what? Not second, not third, not fifth on the list. The goat Halloween candy is... Smarties. And I'm disappointed because I was talking to my girlfriend about this in regards to the candy we were going to get for tonight. And she's like, kids don't eat Smarties anymore. And for the first time in my life, I realized I can no longer relate to the youth. <laughs> the Smarties did it to you? That's what did it to you. Smarties, man. It was the perfect candy. You could eat it on the go. You can have tons of them and they mm -hmm. don't fill you up and they taste great. All right. So my answer to this is somewhat uh, debated, but I don't even know if you have this in the United States of America. Have you ever heard of a Wonder Bar? 
Lay it on me. You've no. Never heard of it. It's caramel chocolate with a little bit of crisp in it. It's it's hundred grand like. I have to. Okay, I upset a lot of people because you don't I'm like a, caramel. No, no, no. I'm a candy purist. I feel that there's <laughs> chocolate and then there's candy. I'm a candy purist, so I would keep that out of my candy list. Right. But it does sound delicious. All right. Uh, understood. And Starburst is my second, but they got to give oh. you more than two in the package no. for Halloween. We need at least three. Step it up, Starburst. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's start with a hot take beyond Smarties and one that I've been pondering since week three. Aaron Rodgers thought Buffalo might be the best thing for his team. They never looked like they had a chance in the Sunday nighter. And Buffalo made several mistakes, and they still didn't look like they had a chance. Is there any way that we look back at that 14-12 week three meeting between Tampa and Green Bay's as the beginning of the end for both Rodgers and Brady? A month ago, I would have said that Rodgers and Brady have at most one season left each. They're such competitive guys. If they both end this year on a terrible skid, they're so aware of legacy. There's no way they don't play until they at least make it back to an NFC championship game. Why Tom Brady came back for the second time in the first place, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, I have a little less grace for because of his way to passively aggressively, <laughs> passive aggressively comment on things that he doesn't like. So he's burning all the ill will. At this point, I'm not sure he finishes his career as a Green Bay Packer, but both of them are going to play until the wheels fall off, but there's no sign that it's going to get better. Are the Bills the best team in football? Is that what we learned this weekend? Yes, yes, and what's terrifying is that Tredavious White still isn't back. Tredavious White, his name may not be up there with the top cornerbacks in the league unanimously because he doesn't get a lot of interceptions, but in man-to-man coverage – he is the best at it. So the fact that they are doing this, dismantling teams without a top man-to-man corner in the league, everyone should be scared. At this point, nothing is stopping Josh Allen. And a banged-up player to go along with that. All right, so the Eagles take care of business. Jalen Hurts, career high, four touchdown passes, three to A.J. Brown. Are they the best team in the NFC? Without question. This offense up until yesterday was – methodical they were getting points on the board but it wasn't fancy it wasn't explosive after yesterday they check all the boxes offensively and then defensively they somehow add robert quinn and in my opinion have the best dbs in the league right now and the scary thing is when you look at this team from a defensive standpoint they've faced the best receivers that they're going to face this year they've already shut down cd lamb they have to face him again they kept terry mclaurin out of the end zone they have to face him again outside of those two it's just maybe a healthy michael thomas and that's not until january i believe be very afraid of the eagles or maybe we just save ourselves some time and have an eagles Bills super bowl next week okay so let me i'm eating crow on the niners and i understand that (laughs) Uh, but the bears defense came into the week Uh, sixth in the NFL in points allowed per game and just gave up 49. I know it wasn't all the offense. The defense put up some points too. But 49 on the board. Could could the boys be the second best team in the NFC? 
Tim, this kills me because I am the world's biggest Dallas hater. I can't stand them. I can't stand their fans. I can't stand how many of their fans are out here in Los Angeles. Ollie Crow with you in regards to the Cowboys. They're for real. Now, they are benefiting from a very down NFC, but you can only play who's on your schedule, right? So that's not their fault. And if this this Dallas team was – placed in last year's nfc or the year before that they'd be middle of the pack it's a down nfc year that's not their fault they're balling and they're getting it done they're for real all right i I spoke of the niners and speaking of the niners did what you see from jimmy g and mccaffrey change your mind on the nfc west no because christian mccaffrey has always been one of a kind And he's always been able to do these types of things. And he did them in Carolina. The problem is they relied on him too much. So he was always hurt. What he's gone, what five years without being able to play at least 16 games, 17 now. So while this is exciting and a great coming out party for him as a Niner, you know, of course that, that, that first game, he was on, on, on a clock count, a pitch count. It's too much of him. Now, of course, Debo's hurt. This probably won't be the norm, but they can't rely on him this much. If Debo comes back and it's less of a lion's share, more of split responsibility, yeah, the NFC West more or less could run through the Niners, but not until Debo gets back. You cannot ride Christian McCaffrey this hard. It's not like uh, Kyle Shanahan has ridden anyone until they got hurt. Wait a second. (laughs) No, of course not. That's not his demo whatsoever. (laughs) No, no, he's never done that before. Uh, All right, so uh, breaking news earlier today, just before we got on the air, around uh, 3.30 Eastern time, Roquan Smith, to the Ravens. I, I mean, as a team that hasn't finished this year and has the ability to put up some points, I really like this move. I love this move for the Ravens, who are for real, who, yes, I get it. Early on this year, they were blowing games in the fourth quarter. Look, when it comes playoff time, I'm going to ride with a team who can run the ball and play some dang good defense, which they can do. On the flip side, if I'm on the Bears, I'm wondering, what the heck are we playing for? The NFC North stinks, other than the Vikings, but the NFC as a whole stinks, and by and large, we're still in this thing. And you just got rid of two of our best defensive players. So at this point, if I'm on, uh, if I'm a member of the Bears, I'm wondering, yeah. our quarterback's kind of coming into his own, yeah. and we're in this thing, and you're just trading away our assets. Trade me next. If I am a star on the Bears, I'm saying trade me next because you're in rebuild mode even when the playoffs are in sight. But on the positive side of things, the Ravens are for real, and they got the best coach in football right now. Hmm. Very interesting. All right, before we let you go, um, I was under the impression that you were talking about the Canadian version of Smarties, which is like a chocolate that uh, is surrounded by Jesse Rubinoff has uh, a picture of now tell me if this is the so this is the these these are the Canadian (laughs) Smarties now do you have the American Smarties Jesse pointed out by a number of no you did not say rockets are the best candy (laughs) we call these rockets in Canada that's what you're talking about that's why he's a candy purist that's why okay so let me rephrase the U.S. version of Smarties. I probably just confused everyone talking about candy purist, chocolate <laughs> versus candy. That would make 
no sense. So right. I apologize to all of my lovely. No, Canadians. no, you're good. We got enough people that know the U.S. Okay, okay. yes, and, and they the pointed US me the right way. Version. Okay, yes, that the that U.S. version of Smarties are my favorite. Y- do you want to share what you're smoking with me or are you going to keep that to yourself? Because them Smarties, whatever you call them down south, we call them Rockets Up here, Smarties. That on my power rankings of Halloween candies is about 634. <laughs> I'm, I'm so ashamed of this too because I'm a, a, a California native born and raised. Yeah. Yeah, as we discussed on my my, my first episode here, my yeah. parents lived in Vancouver for a long time. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I pride myself on knowing the Canadian version. Okay. Yeah, here, that's inexcusable. Here, here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna send you some of the very best Canadian-only candy. We did this when the NBA All-Star Game came up here. Uh, we'll get you some ketchup chips. Uh, <laughs> we'll get you a Wonder Bar. Okay, we'll get you the Canadian Smarties. We're going to send all these down, and we're going to do a taste test. Love it. And then we'll end up in the end with a, a Brock Vereen Canadian <laughs> candy draft. Are you down? All I eat is junk food. This is so <laughs> up my alley. I haven't had a proper meal in years. I'm candy to the core. Let's do it. I can't. The only acceptable way to eat American Smarties slash Rockets is to put them in your gum and chew them in your gum. That's the only. That's the only way. <laughs> that is true. Like 7-Eleven, uh, 1985 for Uncle Timmy. Shame on you. Shame <laughs> on you, sir. Uh, great catching up with you. Even though we disagree on candy, Brock Vereen, this is proof in 2022 we can still be friends. <laughs> Happy Halloween, sir. You have a great week. Be good. There is uh, Brock Vereen. Uh, host of the other pregame show, CBS Sports Network, and a friend of the show. After the break, we provide a little trick and a little treat with the plays of the week, a Halloween flavor. You're watching Tim and France here on Sportsnet. Rockets are Quick update from Jesse Rubinoff. Jesse, what's going on? As we get set for Plays of the Week, won't be any Plays of the Week from Fred Van Vliet tonight. He is out with back stiffness, that according to Michael Grange, among others. So he's out against the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, we told you that uh, Nick Nurse was speaking around uh, 5.45 Eastern Mm -hmm. time. That's exactly what Nick Nurse said. So he is out against what is a pretty good backcourt. In the Atlanta Hawks, though, Fred has struggled defensively against the quicker point guards. Trey Young's tough. So maybe they'll be a little bit better defensively without Freddie, and he can get healthy. Why not? Yeah, maybe a win. One way to get the minutes down. Maybe a win. Not play at all. Uh, would, you like, would you like to do the plays let's, of the league? Let's do it. Yeah, that'll, it. That'll, get the, that'll get the minutes down. I don't know about the minutes per game down. <laughs> right, right. The, minutes the minutes in general. Yeah, minutes down. All right, no more clowning around. Let's get to the plays of the week. Let's get to it. And I assure you, these plays will be anything but the average. That's just classic. Joe's. Yeah, that's a classic costume. Uh, these dance moves look oddly familiar. Where have I seen them before? <laughs> I, I, that's not me. Kevin Mickey. That's right. Oh, Kevin right. Mickey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> to the ice. A lot of nice goals. How about David? Like, what can you say anymore? Uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Just enjoy it, I guess. Just enjoy it. I'm with you. Uh, that was the Hawks. This is the Hawks. Andreas Athanasiu, is this goal of the year oh, in oh, October? Oh, he always I mean, had the speed, but now he's got the dangles too. Tyson Yost, Ooh. inside, outside, Ooh, come around. That's pretty. Who's that? The Blackhawks. Brown. 
Uh, Avalanche and Rangers in the shootout. Evan Rodriguez. This is a pretty nice move. Although, if I'm Shesterkin, I'm a little pissed. Like, oh. Can you finish without running me over? Oh, it happened to me once in a game. I get mad at that. Like I tore my quad, didn't uh, I? Jack Eichel, probably too young to play NHL 94, but is this the most NHL 94 <laughs> goal ever? <laughs> Just skate around with Just one guy, no passing. One guy yeah. that no one can really catch? <laughs> That's genius. That's a beautiful goal. Yeah. Uh, Alex Debrinkat, averaging a point a game with Ottawa so far. Marc-Andre Fleury, still Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, well, they got danced by Athanasiu the other time. But yeah, this is a nice Made up for it there. Uh, cut or uncut the pads? Uh, uncut. He can do whatever he wants. Flurry. Could Peanut do this? No, she doesn't listen at all. No? No, not, not at all. Not nothing? No. Snoop? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, ever wonder how 44-year-old James Harrison is enjoying his retirement? Uh, working out? He's pushing eight Tims and like 18 Jesse Rubinoffs. Yeah. This is 1,960 pounds. How is his Achilles, both of them? How are they holding up there? <laughs> I, I, like, what is I that? do not. Never mind the Achilles. Just moving that. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. He's still play probably. He should work out with Russell Wilson. <laughs> Very good. Uh, DJ Moore, this is a wonderful catch on a Hail Mary that would get you the win until he took off his helmet. And then, boom, went the night. That had to piss you off. I know that pissed you off. Fundamentals. It's... I don't think guys are thinking that way, and sometimes it's not flagged. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Heineke, man after my own heart, not only the 125K per win, but he gets a new pair of Jordans every time. Yeah, he wins. yeah. fine. Uh, how about this one-hand catch, DeAndre? Not enough for Jesse to win his bet. However, <laughs> still a nice catch. I mean, that was my logic, was Kyler to Dunn. I know, and he looked good. That worked. He looked good. Stuff. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. <laughs> was a Call of Duty week. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Should have listened to Neil. Uh, Nick Castellanos, nice catch. They win in extras. Then, have you seen this? This yeah. is um, Rasta Rocket Chastain. Like, is this guts or remarkably stupid? I honestly don't even I don't even really get it. So it's a video game move, honestly, yeah. where you just push the gas and you go along the wall, but if there's any little ripple in that wall, you're like, toast. You're toast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Kyle Lowry and my guy, Alvin Williams, just powering through, does not stop. Well, until Pascal got involved. <laughs> Speaking of not stopping, uh, we've got some dunks for you. This guy's unreal, Kelvin Johnson. You like him? Oh, not bad. Maybe why they like DeJounte go? How yeah. about Spider? Yeah. This is Mozgov-esque. I think he likes playing for the Cavs. This is Memories of Mozgov. Yeah, Memories of Mozgov. Uh, John Morant isn't left-handed. I feel like we need to point that out more and more. He's a highlight factor. He's what he is. Like, the catch with the left hand and the fit. Like, he does it repeatedly. And listen, I understand a lot of people are in the spirit of Halloween, most notably Grant Williams <laughs> of the Celtics. But if Grant Williams is the spirit of Halloween, then I, my friends, am Jason Tatum. The best part about this team is that we take care of each other. Defensively, that's all we can accomplish. Well, what the <laughs> I think that's me. It's, it is you. That is me today. Yeah. I'm good with the kids enjoying Halloween, but this like Gen Z adopting of Halloween has gone a little too far. Well, everyone did. Like university, you wore costumes, no? 
Yeah. I would go and I would do something really stupid. Once you hit a certain age, yeah. that's enough. You put on a hat yeah. and you say like, "Don't come to my I'm door." I'm a baseball. No, no, kids. I'm fine with. I'm just saying, once you get to a certain age, now it's just cosplay. You giving rockets out tonight? <laughs> no. When we come back. By the way, underrated bangers. All bangers. Like wine gums. Oh, wine gums. Yeah. The Swedish fish. The Jujubes, oh, all of them, they're all really good. Uh, listen, we're going to talk a little about hockey. We've got a lot on the plate coming up on this edition of Tim and Friends. Before you go trick-or-treating, before it gets dark, please watch us. We could use the ratings. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends. We've got a full hour, which includes Maddie Devlin from Scotiabank Arena ahead of the Raptors and the Hawks. Luke Gazdick is in studio in mere moments from now. Plus Tim Kirchin, hopefully from the World Series in Philadelphia. If the rain holds off, I've been told Kirchin can't ruin his hair. I got the same problem. If they play, it should be a wild scene in Philadelphia tonight as the Astros and Phillies square off game number three. MLB Central comes your way. 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. Things are all square at one game apiece. If you haven't been watching after two pretty entertaining games in Houston, now they play three games over perhaps the next three nights in Philadelphia. Lance McCullers Jr. gets to start for the Astros. It's his first World Series appearance since 2017. He's been hurt, has been a big game pitcher for the Astros over the years, making his 19th career playoff appearance tonight. As for the Phillies, they turn to Deadline acquisition, Noah Syndergaard, Thor. His first start since the Division Series and his first World Series outing since 2015 and the New York Metropolitans. Phillies manager, Canadian, Rob Thompson, was asked about the Philly crowd, Halloween, playoffs. Well, this should be fun. Something that, truthfully, I've, I've never experienced. I mean, it's so loud. It goes from the first pitch to the last pitch. Um, there's so much energy that it just energizes our players and motivates them, and, and I think it's just a huge advantage for us. To the high court, Raptors back in action, hosting the Hawks tonight at Scotiabank Arena. You can see it in Sportsnet 1 starting pregame show 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Raptors coming off a disappointing loss to the Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers on Friday. And we'll have to deal with Trey Young, who put up 42 against the Bucks on Saturday night, as mentioned last segment. Fred Van Vliet out, lower back stiffness. Same with me, but I don't have to play professional basketball. To hockey, the Canucks have won two in a row and might be getting some more good news. Brock Besser skated today. Game time decision for tomorrow's matchup against the Devils. Meantime, short time ago, the Canucks announced a 10-year broadcast partnership extension with us here at Sportsnet. The rink remains Rogers Arena through 2033. We wanted this to be a long-term commitment to each other. It gives us the opportunity to invest in more creative ways to bring the game and the product to life and make those investments boldly and with courage so that we can see the runway over a long period of time. 
There is a ton to talk about in the world of hockey right now, so we have brought in Luke Gazdick for his maiden voyage. Here we go. Friends. Thanks for popping by. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. Big fan of the show, so thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I love having former Wexford Raiders on the show, so <laughs> yeah. we'll try to get as many as we possibly can. On the show. I may have a jersey at home I know, of the I'd, Wexford Raiders. you got to tweet that out if you have it. Yeah, we brought, seen one in a while. we brought out a Henry Carr one <laughs> in studio for Mike Feuda, so we'll see if we can find a Wexford Raiders one around the uh, McAuliffe household. But I got to ask you this uh, before we get to any of that loaded hockey that we have on the slate. What's the goat Halloween candy in the Gazdick household? If there is only one, <laughs> I'm not talking about four or five. I kind of sort of like the goat Halloween candy in your mind is. Okay, well, it's different for me in my house. Mine is. You know, Haribo, the company Haribo, the gold bears, you know, those oh, kind yeah, of chewy Yeah, you get them in the airport. <laughs> yeah, and they all, yeah. yeah. My wife used even to come home I, from Europe with them all the time. Yeah, even when I played junior back in Erie, I'd have the penalty box guy. I had a stash <laughs> in there. I was in there a lot. That's <laughs> so if you're going to be in yeah. there for five or ten, get a quick sugar boost. But I'd yeah. say in the Gazic household, we're a big uh, score bar family. Oh, nice. You know, the score blizzards. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big even, fan. Yeah. Even yeah. just the, the, the straight-up chocolate bar, that's yeah. a big favorite of my mom's. So it's yeah. always around somewhere. Uh, when I was a kid, they used to put them on sale all the time at 7-Eleven. I would buy them, put them in the microwave, scrape the chocolate off. Just, and just eat the toffee. <laughs> yeah, just eat the toffee. Uh, all right, before we move on from the Halloween thing, I don't know if you know this, but we found a picture of you back in the day with one Connor McDavid yeah. uh, dressed up for Halloween. Uh, can you describe the get up for us here? Uh, with the best player on planet Earth and yourself. Yeah, coming off the hat trick. This is uh, his rookie year. I yeah. believe it was my last year in Edmonton, but that's Happy Gilmore and his caddy. You've been down in the shoe. I even got one shoe. Yeah. On there. Very <laughs> good. Yeah. We actually went to Subway, and I think we paid the, the woman working there cash. We got like a t shirt, oh, and yeah. we took the hat right off her head. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks for that hat. And yeah. so uh, I went and got the painter's outfit, but that was definitely a hit for sure. Oh, we yeah, it looks like a, a solid. <laughs> Solid Attention to 10. detail is yeah. 10 out of 10 there. Yeah. Sure. And, and how many people do you remember actually recognizing the shoe? Like, oh, my God, that's a great touch. You know, it took a while, but I think I had to put one on eventually. It's, yeah. It can get grimy out it's there tough. in Edmonton. Edmonton's <laughs> a gritty town. You can't be walking on White Ave in one shoe. All right, let's start with the Edmonton Oilers because there is a little bit of worry off the top of the year, but they've played some pretty good hockey over the last little while. And and the way they've done it, right? Like, they've... They've shut teams down. They've outscored teams back-to-backs. Like, they've really impressed me over the last few games. You? Honestly, they have come a long way. Uh, even at the start when they were struggling, uh, I knew it was just a matter of time. But right. they're getting, you know, everyone chipping in here. It's not just 97 and 29. Right. And you can kind of see everyone's buying in. You know, guys are starting to identify their roles and really buying into what, uh, to what Jay Woodcroft and the coaching staff is selling here. I'm sure it's a little salty for Leaf fans, but Zach Hyman has been the, you know, goat addition for, for Kenny Hall, and he's played unbelievable mm-hmm. for for the oil and uh, you know they're just starting to put it together with you know that win on Saturday is a perfect example yeah. right they uh, they they played a full complete team game what a game by the way yeah. we, we were treated to a nice yeah. one it sucks we'd only see them three times this year but they're really starting to put it together and right there 97's leading the way yeah that battle of Alberta means something again and the, the NHL is better when the battle of Alberta means something 100%. without a doubt uh, I think that Leaf fans have come to the uh, come to the conclusion that it's just Toronto West like they can cheer for <laughs> yeah. Edmonton there's enough former guys including Jack Campbell and listen I understand they paid him five million dollars a year so take this with a grain of salt but is there a chance that Stuart Skinner 
could push Jack Campbell a little bit here for, I, I don't know if it's a couple more starts, I don't know if it's half the starts, but Skinner's look pretty damn good. Oh, I think so for sure. This guy's big, he's athletic, and I think it's really helping him that he's an Edmonton kid. He's got family and friends at every game. He's got a big family, and he's playing really good hockey. But I think it's a, not the ideal situation for the Oilers, but, I mean, this is their 1B option or their number two option. Yeah. And if he starts to struggle, you, you still have your number one option who you're paying $5 million a year on the bench. And, and not just a capable goalie, but, you know, an established and a capable NHL goalie on right. the bench. And I know Soup. I played with him in, in Texas in the minors. Right. Ultra competitive. I think all Toronto fans know that. But, you know, it's better than the, you know, the conundrum they had last year with Smitty and Koskinen. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'd rather have two guys that are, that, are will, that are capable than, you know, not, no offense to the two last year, but at right. times they didn't have it. Right. And you were just like, could he get warm? Can he get hot? Smitty got hot for a couple, you know, Couple games here and there, but uh, if Skinner gives them quality goaltending, this is a bit of a different team. So before we move on from the Battle of Alberta, uh, the clip of the week coming from Daryl Sutter, and I just got to ask, as a fan, like, I mean, listen, I, I never played where you had uh, the two intermissions. I wasn't good enough to get two intermissions <laughs> you just get the ever, and third? Ever, yeah, <laughs> ever in my life. So I got to ask, does this happen? All? Here, here's Daryl Sutter first on why Jonathan Uberdo left the left the bench. Uberdo left the bench for a little bit in the first period. Are you able to say what it was? I think you'd go take a <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, so does that happen more often than we know? Uh, I don't think so. That's yeah, actually, okay. like, I think that's the first time I've ever seen that. Right. I mean, it has to be, you know, a, an emergency. I make playing jokes a lot, but I think I might have enough time to rip back there. And <laughs> right. I would have had some time to right. go get it, uh, to go, you know, take care of your business. But <laughs> I, I've literally never seen that before in the game. Well, we've seen it in football. I mean, DK Metcalf got on a... A cart to leave a game so yeah. that he could go. He was worried about the, uh, you know, the waddle over there. Anyways, all right, let's get to the Leafs because I know there's a lot of people wondering. And I said earlier in the show that I believe that when the same things keep coming up, you can make it a big deal even when it's not a big deal. I get you're only 10 games into a season. I get that the Leafs have enough talent to make the postseason. But I wonder if... These things that keep cropping up to them against subpar teams aren't what trips them up when it matters most. Would you agree with that kind of sentiment? And you can tell me that I'm a complete idiot. Oh. I have no problem with it whatsoever. No, I think so. I've been for told a lot. <laughs> I think so for sure. I mean, habits work both ways as a player and as a team, right? You develop and you grow good habits. And, and, you know, you work on them and develop them time after time, shift after shift, game after game. And it can work on the bad side as well. And they're, they're developing these terrible habits right now. And they're going, uh, you know, unpunished. The, the one I notice a lot is just simply not shooting the puck. It's, it's an extra pass every time from these guys. Right. You're, you're, you're talking in the sweet spot, high goal scoring areas, and they're dishing passes across and looking for option B when the simple shot option is right there in front of them. That's just something little, but I'm winning a team right now that's just un, you know, unmotivated and lethargic. And I saw this timeout yesterday, and the, the team's not even looking at him. I mean, Austin Matthews is literally not even looking at him during a timeout. Uh, Marner's got to go have his little hissy fit here. And it just looks like a, ta- a team that's just not on the same page from coach all the way down. You've, you've been on a bench before, and Jesse and I were talking about this earlier. Um, you want accountability. And, like, I've seen Michael Bunting drop from that top line. I've seen other guys on the defense court fall out of the lineup completely. Uh, when a guy like Marner, 
who obviously, if you didn't read the lips or see the clip, Sheldon keeps pointing at and saying two times he gave away yeah. the puck, but only sits a total of six minutes. It, it is, is that kind of accountability something that can wear on the rest of a team? Like we all know Marner yeah. gets paid a lot of money. He's a, he's a really talented guy. Same with Austin Matthews. It, is that kind of accountability uh, a detriment to the rest of the guys on that room? Well, I think it falls on everyone. That can be an awkward situation, but I think it's pretty obvious. And even from the team standpoint, like Mitchie's got to be better, right? right? Like last night, he just wasn't good enough. And uh, I'm sure he really wanted that goal in overtime, but the, the, turn, the turnover started with the defense core the last couple of weeks, and now it's, it's sneaking up into, into your top skill guys. I mean, six minutes going to do anything? I don't know. Right. It, it didn't really. Uh, I don't know what the answer is there. You can't scratch him. I mean, that's, that's a pretty bold move to, to pull something like that. But that's, that accountability, like you said, falls on every single guy on that team. And, you know, it can definitely be a detriment. Would you be worried long-term about the Toronto Maple Leafs, or is this just part of the process? No, I'm already worried about yeah. them long-term. I think like any Toronto sports fan, I just have a bad feeling about this, and I'm a pretty optimistic guy. Right. Uh, I just see some of these habits starting to creep in, and some of them aren't. Some of them are fixable, and some of them, I think, it's strictly just personnel stuff. And the, bad, the good thing is they're, they're 500. I mean, we're not looking at a team like Anaheim here in, you know, in the West that's one in, one in whatever they were we saw yesterday, <laughs> even after the loss. But, uh, I mean, they got to figure it out in a hurry here or else, you know, dominoes are going to start to fall. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people uh, circling around the coach. The one, the one question that I'll, I'll, count, or, uh, I'll finish with here is we were talking about the Atlantic Division. Do you believe in some of these teams that we're seeing near the top, the Buffalo Sabres? And, like, it seems like it could be one of the most competitive divisions, if not the most competitive in all of hockey. C- could that put the Leafs in a precarious spot? I mean, the Bruins seem to be back yeah. where they were before. Um, the Panthers last year in the regular season, really good. I don't know what Detroit is. I know Tampa's good. Um, could, could they be in a tough spot here? I think so, but in a more general sense, uh, you know, from playing the game and then watching it, there's no bad teams in this in the in the league right. in the National Hockey League. These are all National Hockey League players. I mean, the, the bees are playing well right now. I didn't think Florida would be playing as well as they did, but on any given night, you can lose to any team, and these mm-hmm. things will work themselves out over time, over the year. Um, but we're talking games out of conference that drive coaches nuts. You go right. and do this Western road trip, it's it's the out of division games where you, you need those points. And you can't be looking at the schedule going, whether it's in the West Arizona or you know they're in your division. It's any given Monday, Sunday, Thursday in this league. And if you don't step out with your best game, no matter what position that team is, what division they're in, you're gonna have your hands full. Yeah, without a doubt, we've seen that uh, repeatedly from this team. Luke Gastic, a uh, solid debut here yeah. on Jim and Friends. Really appreciate you yeah. dropping yeah. by. And since you're going out to dinner, yeah. have a great meal, man. I will. Keg Mansion, oh. most consistent restaurant. No free ads here. So <laughs> no free ads. <laughs> going out for dinner. I, I, say, I, I agree yeah. with you. No free ads. I also agree with you on what you were going to say. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> it, Hobie. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, there is Luke Gazdick here on Tim and Friends. On the other side, we head down to Scotiabank Arena, not hockey, but basketball, as we catch up with Matty Dev. Get his thoughts on the Raptors up and down start to the season as we tee up Raptors Hawks right here on the network. Tim and Friends continues. Please stick around. It's my livelihood. Welcome back, friends. Counting down to the Raptors and Hawks and Sportsnet 1 tonight. Pre-game gets going 
7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Fred Van Vliet, who struggled in the Raptors' loss on Friday, started the day as questionable with lower back stiffness. Coach Nick Nurse updated his status a short time ago. Not good news. Uh, he's out for tonight. He did not. He uh, has some lower back stiffness. Uh, um, did thought we'd be he'd be ready to go tonight, but was not. So Fred Van Vliet out of the lineup with uh, maybe the East best backcourt coming into town. The newly formed Trey Young, Dejounte Murray, uh, and the Atlanta Hawks. And for this, we go down to Scotiabank Arena and check in with Matt Devlin. <laughs> I thought it was Matt Devlin, but it appears as though it is the king of the Raptors. Is that an Elvis thing, Matty? Thank you, thank, thank you very much. Hey, we're caught in a trap. Can't hold back. I can't get out of. Yeah. Hey, because I love you too much, baby. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, that, is, uh, that is pretty good. It's, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It sounds like you've done some Elvis uh, karaoke in your time. Uh, maybe once or twice. <laughs> Part of it is because, you know, spent some time in Memphis, Tennessee. All right. Right. So did you see the movie got to hang out with the Memphis Mafia a little bit? I did see the movie. I actually saw Elvis in concert, but uh, and then also saw the 25th anniversary concert that his band put together at the old pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. So some Memphis history that? with Matt Devlin. Um, yeah. I don't want to date you here, but when the hell did you see Elvis? I was a little guy, 1977, wow. May 25th, I believe it was, in Binghamton, New York. Of course you saw him in Where Binghamton, the old Broome County Dusters, remember? <laughs> the Broome County Dusters used to play there. Yeah. Uh, I think that was in the old Federal League. <laughs> yeah, that, they might have been playing against the Charlestown Chiefs in the old Federal they League. They may have been. Right, right in slap shot, right out of slap shot. Uh, before we get going here, yeah. we've been asking everybody, I don't care if it's American or Canadian, the GOAT Halloween candy in your mind, Matt Devlin. If you take you back in the day, take you to now, I know you enjoy uh, a candy now and then. If you were to only have one candy on Halloween, it would be? Straight Hershey bar. Wow. Just that little, that yeah, little, little chocolate thing. right there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. but, we're, but we've been yeah we've been known to be that house on the block that gives the big Hershey bars out. Oh, you you um, mean the full size candy the bar? Yeah, yeah. You better yeah. not advertise that, Matty D. But I yeah, but no more. Okay. Kids are out of the house, right, right. and all that stuff. But right. and then I've eaten way too many of them along the way, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> there weren't that many left. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but hey, listen, straight, we're the most milk chocolate Hershey. Yep. We're the most popular house in the block, but I've gained 30 pounds, honey. Uh, this is, this <laughs> is not good. There's no doubt. I just got, I just got this suit let out at the tailor. <laughs> uh, all right, so we heard Fred Van Vliet out of the lineup. Do you know the starters for your Toronto Raptors as of yet, Matt Devlin? Christian Coloco will start at the five. Uh, so that will just kind of slide everybody right. uh, back. And... Nick Nurse wants to do that because uh, he wants to keep the bench intact and, and everything with respect to that, right? The rhythm that players have coming off of the bench. So Christian Coloco, a five. He'll see Clint Capella, obviously, right? You also have John Collins and the worries about the pick and pop there. Mm -hmm. 
So they'll go with Coloco at the five. So with this backcourt coming to town, and I, I asked Kenny Smith if this was the best, best backcourt in the East. He's, he told me to slow down a little bit. Uh, this was early in the season, but they played really well. Does some of this just putting Coloco into the lineup maybe also add to a game plan of putting bigger guys on those two in the backcourt? Well, I'll say this, and, and whether Fred was going to play or not, you know based upon how the Toronto Raptors play, and Nate McMillan, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, mentioned this, that they have a lot of defensive packages, and you know that they're going to put length on that backcourt. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just no question about it. Now, look at the Atlanta Hawks. They come into this game 4-2. and two. Look at who they've beaten, and look at who they've lost to, okay? And they have had a really easy schedule up to this point. And they've taken advantage of two games in Detroit, which, you know, has worked out. But then you go to Milwaukee, and Trey Young, despite having 42 points, was a minus 13. And as Nate McMillan said, they're still learning to play with each other. DeJounte mm -hmm. Murray, as you mentioned, and Trey Young. So this is going to be another tough test for the Atlanta Hawks here tonight, I think, from a defensive standpoint. Right. And Nate McMillan has said, we, we need patience offensively in spacing. Okay, so let me ask you this, and I won't say point guard. I'm going to use primary initiator of the offense. Given Fred Van Vliet out, um, is it everybody? Do you think we see Pascal with the rock in his hands a lot more? Do you think we see Scotty Barnes, perhaps, with the rock in his hands a lot more? How, how do you see this playing out for the Raptors? Well, all of the above, I think you go back now to the championship run, there were a lot of occasions where Pascal Siakam brought the ball up, right? I mean, this has been a thing that he has added to his game over the course of the last four seasons that continues to evolve, right? Fred has played off the ball quite a bit, as did Kyle Lowry. And one of the things that make the Toronto Raptors so difficult is that whoever gets a rebound can initiate the offense. And so Pascal Siakam is a point forward. Scotty Barnes considers himself a, a point guard, rather. Scotty Barnes considers himself a point guard. So you can all get the rebound and you initiate the offense and you get out into transition and it becomes extremely difficult from a transition D standpoint to pick people up. And, and I think this also goes into you know, I know there's been a lot of discussion early on in the year with respect to minutes played. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in today's NBA, let's go back to the championship run. Raptors did not have a player that played 82 games. They had two players that played 80 games, Danny Green and then Pascal Siakam. Mm -hmm. The last Toronto Raptor to play 82 games is Jakob Pertl. And, and, and I'm only bringing this up because I think, you know, since the stoppage of play, and you had the truncated season, and then, of course, a shortened season, and then last year, a full 82-game schedule. Only five players last year in the NBA played all 82 games. Understandable, right? Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a global pandemic, all the other things. But there is a sense in talking to a lot of different coaches around the league that you get like, okay, if a player is available tonight, I'm going to play him because you don't know what tomorrow brings, right? And so there is a sense of that. And with Fred, you know, you are playing off the ball a lot of the time. So I think that that's, you know, part of why you're seeing not just the Toronto Raptors, but a lot of teams now, uh, when you look at their starting five or their top seven players in the rotation, they're playing minutes. But 
I mean, Freddie was at like 40 a game last year. He and Pascal were 1-2 in the NBA yeah. in terms of minutes per game. Yeah. Freddie, uh, third in the NBA, obviously small sample size. But yeah. do, do you think that has something to do with some of the wear and tear that, is, that has slowed Freddie well, down over the last little while? Well, can I ask you this? Yep. You can ask me anything. We're last se- yeah, well, no, but la- last season where the Raptors were coming out of the gate, they were 3-3, three and three, just like yeah, now. Now, very difficult schedule, yeah. right? Extremely difficult schedule. They did not have Pascal Siakam, as we know. Yeah. Now you get to the point where those players have, in the midst of their team goals, they yeah. have individual goals, Yep. right? Pascal Siakam, want to be All-NBA. Fred Van Vliet, you want to be an All-Star. And as Nick Nurse has said in the past, in order to achieve those goals, we know that you have to win as a team. Right. Right? And so part of that is the Raptors want to win games. And so, yes, you might get two more minutes a night. But then also Fred was a first-time All-Star, which is amazing, right? The first undrafted all-star since Ben Wallace in 2006 an unbelievable accomplishment right and Pascal Siakam a two-time now two-time all NBA player so I think that there's some of that in there but you also understand that you want to win games and then also look at and I was having this conversation with someone earlier today Mm -hmm. with another organization and they said it's not necessarily your per game minutes it's your total. season minutes. Yeah, yeah, total minutes, yeah. right? And so the most games that Fred has played in his career is his second season, 74 games. Now, two of those seasons, as we know, you have the stoppage of play, the bubble, and then the COVID year in Tampa, right? So that's, you know, those two seasons are kind of to the side. But I think you have to take into consideration a lot of different things that are happening in the changes within the game to kind of understand why certain teams right. are playing their players, right? right. I mean, in theory, yep. Nick Nurse has said this in training camp, in theory, it's great, right? Yes, but then all of a sudden the ball goes up and you get into a situation and you're kind of like, okay, you know, we want to come away with a W here, so we're going to take that out and we're going to extend those minutes a little bit. I got you. It's a, it's a delicate balance that every team has to kind of... It's extremely difficult. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I do like the thoughtful Matty Devlin. I think it's a, it is a, is a great component of what you bring to the table. And I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm just, uh, this was wonderful so that you can answer with you what I think you're going to answer with. Well, you don't, you, you don't believe what I'm, what I'm saying, but that's okay. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I do believe. With, I, I just think there's no real answer to it. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's it is a delicate, as you mentioned, yeah. it is a delicate balance, right? Yeah. The balance yeah, no, of I, you want to win a game. You. Yeah. I completely. You know? But then you go back to you go back to the last game, and you know something wasn't right. But right. how many times have we seen Fred VanVleet hit big threes late after being 0 for six or 0 right. for seven? So, in. As Nick said, I asked him on multiple occasions, hey, you okay, you okay, you okay, right? And so, yeah. you know, but he wanted to play through that, and yeah. I think that that's okay as well. You, you, you know me by now, Maddie. I'm, I'm a suspicious mind. 
<laughs> you know that we can't go on together like that because no. we're caught in a trap. Yeah, and, and only fools because rush I in. Because I love you too much, baby. Yeah, only huh? fools because rush I love in, you too Maddie. Much, baby. Yeah, so let's not yeah, rush in. Fools are, hold it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And, and, and <laughs> there's a lot of work on that mask. I'm going to tell uh, you that right now. Okay, I mean, tell you what, huh? Come on. <laughs> let's go. Hey, uh, huh? hey, hey, Maddie, this was great. Because I love you too much, baby. I was trying to get you to thank you, thank you very much, but I like that better. Okay. Thanks, well, buddy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not done yet. <laughs> thank right. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matty Devlin, <laughs> a.k.a. Elvis Presley, right, Scotia Bank Arena. I enjoyed that conversation. That was a real conversation where he was representing yeah. one side, and I think I'm on the other side of that conversation, knowing full well it's a delicate balance. It is a delicate balance, and it was sandwiched in between a couple of Elvis yeah, impersonations and uh, a little move. It, yeah, I mean, it's hard because there's no way to know how much it's truly affecting Correct. Fred or Pascal. Like, you, you can't really, like, they can miss games here and there, but you don't know they might have been injured right. regardless of And how you trust Alex McKegney and his history yeah. of keeping guys fresh, and I know for a fact that Freddie really wanted to be an all-star, and that run before the all-star game got him to the all-star game. So I completely understand it. I just think for this year, for this team, they might need to ease back, trust some other guys a yeah. little bit more to play some minutes, and still get wins. I feel like they're probably a little bit better than last year, which makes them better suited for that moving forward. But here's what I also know. Mm. Nick Nurse likes to win games. Yes. We'll roll on in this Halloween edition of Tim and Friends. The tarp is on the field. It has been off the field in Philadelphia. Weather is threatening. Tim Kirchin was scheduled. We're not sure if it's raining right now in Philadelphia, but we're going to pop up a camera and maybe Marley Rivera will join us next here on Tim and Friends. It's a fluid situation, literally. Game one of the 2022 World Series. Muzzo got a breaking ball, lifted it to left center field. Both runners will come in. The Phillies have come all the way back and tied it in the fifth. Fly ball off the end of the bat, short right field. Castellanos saves the day and sends game one to the tenth. Riamuto shoots one in the air the other way. It's gone. Riamuto starts the tenth with a go-ahead shot. And the Phillies take game one. Game two about to get started. Riamuto goes down swinging. Strike three with the curve. Beauty. He's brought the good so far. Harper goes down swinging. That is strike three called. Framber Valdez has been white hot so far for the Astros in October. Brickman. It's one in the air to deep left center field. It is gone. Alex Bregman strikes again in the World Series. And the Astros have a win in game two. Plenty of drama in the first two games of the World Series, and now it shifts to Philly. What will be a charged up crowd at Citizens Bank Park if they play tonight. Now, MLB Central follows us at 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. For now, for the Astros Phillies game number three, they are scheduled to make an announcement on the game going forward very soon. Now, I have uh, one of these fancy apps on my phone. It's called Weather, Jesse. And all really? you do is you put a city into the bad boy, 
and up on your phone pops up some percentages, some some uh, some numbers, some temperatures. It's 17 in Philadelphia right now. The hourly forecast to go along with the Doppler radar that we've got popped up on your screen right now, 7 p.m. 100% chance of rain. Okay, that's up from 60% when we started the show at 5 p.m. Eastern time to Pacific. 8 p.m. Eastern in Philadelphia, calling for 90% of ch chance of rain, and 80% at 9, 10, back up to 100% at 11. P it does not look good for tonight's game in Philadelphia, PA. Now, they don't postpone these games very often. Obviously, there are sponsorships, there are TV people, obviously, everyone who's a big wig is flown in for these type mm -hmm. of games. And to postpone them is rare. In fact, uh, we had stats look this number up. Look at you. Since the start of the World Series, only 24 games have ever been postponed. Is that high or low for you? 24 games? 24 games in the history of the World Series, which for the most part has been a seven-game series. Yeah, that's probably, that's, that's surprising. I think the, the issue is obviously the, the amount of time that it's supposed to rain for. It's not... Like sometimes it rains for an hour and that's fine. You keep the tarp down and you start a little bit later. Yeah. But once you're going to like 10 o'clock Eastern time, they're not going to start the game, right? How much would it suck for a Philadelphia fan who thinks that they are, and as we see them right now, walking into a Phillies game on Halloween, first World Series in over a decade? Like, what was that fiasco? It's a, a big Yankee deal Stadium? game. Yeah, wasn't that a fiasco at Yankee Stadium where they they waited so long before they finally called the game, and the fans are just like, "What guys? Like, we made our way down." Game five, Cleveland. It's not. It's not easy to get to get here to begin mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. and now you're just gonna leave us hanging for hours. Yeah, but you're you're gonna try and play a World Series as as evidenced by that stat, just 24 times, and the first time. <laughs> in almost a decade. I think it's 2011 was the last time one was postponed. That's crazy. Like, they don't do this very often for that very reason. They don't want fans to be disappointed. And let's be honest, this stadium was going to be absolutely raucous tonight. Halloween, Philadelphia, World Series. Yeah, we watch and a lot of Eagles baseball. are undefeated. Yeah, and the Eagles are undefeated. <laughs> yeah. We watch a lot of baseball, um, obviously, two of us. And the, the Reese Hoskins home run from, I think, I, b I believe it was last round, the NLCS. I, I don't remember a crowd going that crazy. And then the Bryce Harper one, obviously, yeah. as well. But there was like a, I always go back to the Bautista as like the gauge for how crazy crowds can go. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the Phillies have been long-suffering. They won World Series in 2009. Yeah. But just, I think the fact that it's so unexpected based on the way they play during the regular season, there's That's like it. this fun. That's it. Uh, yeah. Same thing with Batista. Nothing's usually fun in Philly, but it's there's this like crazy atmosphere that's yeah. with it that they're like happy to be there, but also enjoying the ride. Yeah, same thing with Batista, right? There yeah. was the run, there was a trade for David yeah. Price, and it all felt like you were playing with house money. And I think that's got a lot to do mm -hmm. with the reaction that you saw to Bryce Harper's now legendary home run yeah. in Philadelphia. It ignited a stadium just like Jose Batista like did. The camera's now, shaking. Yeah, it's it, like. It appears as though we've lost Marley Rivera, we've lost Tim Kirchin. I was told uh, either Tim Kirchin was in a meeting or his contract stipulates that his hair can't get wet at any time. But either way, <laughs> we've lost Very both good. of them, so we're not going to have them. If this game gets postponed, mm -hmm. is that not a direct benefit 
to the Philadelphia Phillies who are turning to Noah Syndergaard in this game against Lance McCullers Jr. Now, listen, I know McCullers hasn't been great since his injury, but he's had some pretty big game situations before with this team and come up pretty big. And given the fact that you used Ranger Suarez already and it pushed him back to game four, like we might even see Suarez go in game three now for the Philadelphia Phillies, given the fact that this could be, and judging by the app on my phone, the weather app, fancy yeah. thing, should be su suspended and postponed. Yeah, it actually feels like that's exactly what's going to happen. Like Suarez is probably going to go game three now, and it does work in their favor because one of the major strengths of the Astros is their starting pitching depth right. is, out of, is out of control. And, and their bullpen. Like, listen, yeah. Rob Thompson had to go to Suarez because he doesn't exactly have the greatest bullpen out mm -hmm. there. So they get another day of rest. Suarez can start game three. This, to me, seems like a distinct advantage for the Philadelphia Phillies. I say that having the gut feeling from the start of these postse this postseason that the Astros were better than anybody else. Yeah, they certainly look like it and have looked like it. They're 8-1. The yeah. um, so that's two advantages I count from you for the Phillies if this gets postponed. That's one for the pitching and right. then one for the 2-3-2 two, two format. And the home field advantage. So things certainly look like they are going the way of the Philadelphia Phillies. When right. not so we'll keep an eye on this. If it does end up being postponed, you'll hear on MLB Central. If it does end up being postponed in the next little while, we'll tell you quickly. And the Raptors may end up on Sportsnet. But as of right now, it is MLB Central on Sportsnet. Raptors on Sportsnet 1 coming your way, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. This Halloween edition of Tim and Friends may have lost Kirchin and Rivera, but we power on with more sports talk after this short commercial interlude. Welcome back, friends. Our Monday tip of the cap is a double tip of the cap this week, or a twin tip of the cap, if you will. Chase and Sidney Brown, identical twins from London, Ontario, led the University of Illinois to a win over Nebraska on Saturday. Now Chase, who is a Heisman hopeful, 149 yards rushing and a touchdown, become the first Big Ten back to rush for at least 100 yards in each and every one of his first eight games since Ezekiel Elliott in 2015 at Ohio State. Sydney, a defensive back, had two interceptions, two breakups, and six tackles, four solo. Fighting Illini are currently ranked 17th nationally and sit first place in the Big Ten West. Thanks to a bunch of Canadian content. All right, game day, as always, starts right here on Tim and Friends. Here's what's coming up on the network. Game three of the World Series goes tonight in Philadelphia. You can see it on Sportsnet starting at 7 Eastern with MLB Central. Same time on Sportsnet 1. Raptors Central will get you set for the Raptors and the Atlanta Hawks. And we got more basketball on the network later tonight as the Rockets visit the Clippers. First, kids, it's a little game time. All right, I have breaking news from Bob Nightingale. What's that? Game three has been officially postponed. Game on Tuesday. Well, hold on. Just Bob Nightingale? That's the only one I grabbed so far. That's the only one we're seeing so okay, far. Okay, because I got all of the other relevant 
names, and I haven't seen it as of yet. And I don't know if you know Bob Nightingale's reputation. Love him, been on the show, but there has been times in the past where the rest of Twitter has accused him of being wrong. So you're saying there's a chance we play? What you're saying? I'm just I'm waiting for a secondary source to confirm. But that's good journalism. Before we yeah, go live on enough. the air with it, but. As of right now, Bob Nightingale <laughs> is saying Game 3 has been officially postponed. Game on Tuesday. As of now, we're still going to MLB Central right after us. Um, did you find that the, uh, the Twitter verification, the blue check mark, almost has seemed like a second source for me? I, t I take that and I run with oh, it. That's, that, that is prolifically incorrect all of the time. And in fact, I have... Uh, I have pulled a lot of my hair out. Sorry, I've pulled a lot of my beard hair out over the last little while telling people just because someone's verified doesn't mean that it is completely and utterly believable. You need two sources. I know, usually you get the floor. Or say that's who said it. That's the other thing, you just say Nightingale said it. Yeah, we did that. Oh, uh, okay. I'm uh, looking for Tim Kirchin, doesn't have it. Marley Rivera, I don't see it there. I'll wait. All right, it's game time. So we focus on the events that you will be watching tonight as we head into Halloween here. Uh, we got the Raptors and the Hawks coming up in just a few minutes time. And last night, the Raps held their annual Halloween party. Some of the highlights included Pascal Siakam. 50 cents. 50 cents. That's pretty good. What's up? Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, Bo Cruz, AKA Juancho Hernan Gomez and his yeah. wife as Neo and Trinity from the Matrix. Makes sense. Uh, Chris Boucher went as an evil clown. I didn't even tell us Chris Boucher. Uh, Scotty yeah. Barnes. That's good. These are really good. Uh, Scotty Barnes as the Joker. I'm telling you, man. Like, this new Joker generation scary. just all in on this. This has been going on for a while with athletes, too. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but the prize for best costume went to team president Masai Ujiri, who dressed as Eddie Murphy's character <laughs> from Coming to America. Which Raptors player or staff member do you think is the most fun at a party? Uh, your boy Scotty has some vibes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, listen, Masai, Masai I, I often enjoy my conversations with Masai. Uh, if you just have maybe a drink and you just want to have, if you're that person at a party, I think maybe Masai is the answer. But if it's just vibes, I think you got to go Scotty Barnes. Yeah. I think I'd enjoy the, the conversation with Fred Van Vliet, too. He's one of my favorite cerebral talkers. Yeah. I feel like, I think that's one of the keys to the Raptors' success over the last number of years. It feels like it's a good collection of character guys and, and probably guys that would enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. So they'd probably all be fun at parties. Uh, nothing on Marley Rivera's account. Still. At, uh, I see nothing on Jeff Passan's account uh -oh. yet. Did we get God here? What's going on here? No, I'm not saying we got God. I'm not God. sweating yet. I'm it would be Bob yet. Nightingale. That would be that crazy. God. That would be, a that would be a bad one. It would be about How do you report that it's postponed if it's not no postponed? No way they're playing this game. Okay. Uh, it should be a special night for the Griffin family as Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin will go up against his son, AJ, the Hawks rookie forward for the first time. AJ was asked, what advice does his dad give him? Yeah, I talk to him pretty much after every, every game. So, like, you know, I'll ask him, like, you know, what can I do better? You know, it doesn't matter if you play good or bad because, you know, he always tells me, you know, you got to like, continue to build those habits of, like, getting better because, you know, that's what the greats do. And, and he's just giving me all those tips to be able to how to handle yourself as a pro on and off the court. 
Um, Tim, mm -hmm. you have a son. In which sport is he most likely to turn professional? I think I have the answer to this. <laughs> uh, that's putting a lot on my son. I, I don't know that he is a professional athlete. He, doesn't, he does enjoy baseball a lot. Right. Um, he enjoys hockey a lot. Uh, he's really good at 2K. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's that is, NBA 2K. He can be professional. Yeah, he can turn pro with that. No question. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I may have blessed him with my athletic talent. <laughs> with your, excuse me? I may have blessed him with my athletic talent. Right, right. Which is uh, not, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Not not on the professional level. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Uh, He's okay. very cerebral. What a smart player that kid is. Uh, can you update us on uh, Bob Nightingale if anybody else has? Uh, no, I still, I got, got nothing team. as of right now. I'm, I'm cycling through as quickly as I can while talking to you on live TV. We're getting other reports, but nothing confirmed on Twitter as a second source other than Bob Nightingale. At this juncture in time, we will play this game for the next two minutes. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Kawhi Leonard. Who, this is who else do I look up? As the Clippers host the Rockets, anybody verified? Kawhi has been held out of the last three games due to load management after he had his surgery on his right knee in the offseason. Kawhi has appeared in just two games this season, averaging 21 minutes a game. Head coach Ty Lue said it will be a game-to-game -game thing. Do you think Kawhi will ever get back to being an everyday player? I don't think he has to. I don't think he will. And I'm not sure that he will ever be the player that he was with the Raptors when load management was first introduced. Really? Yes. And I think that's unfortunate for Kawhi and the NBA, but what over the last couple of years would suggest to you that he would? Uh, over the last couple of years, nothing. Zero. Zero. Nothing. So, listen, I, I'm a fan of Kawhi. I think he's a great basketball player. Unfortunately, I've never seen the track record to suggest that he'll be back there, nor, as Matt Devlin suggested earlier, do you see any NBA teams forcing their players into situations where they play through these yeah. kind of things anymore. So he left it all on the court for the Raptors is what you're saying. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he shouldn't have left because Alex McKegney knew how to load manage. Yeah, I guess so. All right, the Clippers are two and four on the season. They're among several high-profile teams, along with the Warriors, Mavericks, and Lakers, currently on the outside of the playoff picture in the West, while the Blazers, Spurs, and Jazz are near the top. This can't last, right? Um, I think it can, actually. I do think it can. Really? Yeah, why not? Portland's always in the mix, or usually in the mix. I mean, Western Conference Final a couple years ago. All right, listen. Uh, the game is being postponed. Oh, is that a fact? We're getting confirmation from programming that it is postponed. That does it for us. Oh, no. Game three postponed. Jamie Campbell, Joe Siddle, Devin Travis still standing by. Abbreviated edition. They'll give you all the news, and then they'll send you to Raptors over on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet.